Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Well, we're going to pull ourselves away from all of our research online and reading box scores and stories and watching stuff on the tube to spend time with you. Uh, and we appreciate your time as well. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Uh, glad you're here. We've got a, so much here to talk about. Obviously, we're going to cover a lot NCAA tournament, both men's and women's uh, in terms of the you know Big Ten teams. Um, we've got some great guests on the way. We've got a Jerry Palm of CBS Sports, the bracketologist. He's going to talk about his picks and kind of his analysis going into uh, the tournament. We caught up with him uh, just before the games began. Um, uh, the first round began on Thursday. Also Bruce Weber, who is the former Illinois head coach, also the Purdue assistant um, uh, coach, but also, as you know, this year, he spent a lot of time with the big 10 network, uh, both calling games uh, on the sidelines uh, during a live broadcast there from the arena, but also spent quite a bit of time in the studio as well. And so coach Weber will get his insights on uh, this Big Ten team, uh, Big Ten conference, we should say, as we go in. But, gentlemen, story of the weekend, the Purdue Boilermakers uh, ran away with the Big Ten, largest uh, winning margin in the conference by three games since, like, 2014. Uh, they win the Big Ten tournament title, and they come out, and they make history, only the second number one seed ever to lose to a number 16 seed. What a, what a night last night uh, on the tube to watch this game. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Ivey, who played at Purdue last year, tweeted, let's go, Boilers, let's make history. They did. <laughs> maybe, maybe not the way they were looking for, though. They, uh, Yeah, it, it was stunning. Stunning upset. Not, I, I didn't have Purdue like advancing the Final Four. I thought they had some holes. And I thought their freshman guards would, would hurt them. But I didn't know they were going to hurt them in game one of the tournament against Fairleigh Dickinson. A team that, by the way, shouldn't have even been in the tournament. They're only in the tournament on a technicality because Merrimack hasn't been D1 long enough. And they actually, so they got the, hey, we have to put somebody from this conference in. Well, and the bottom line is, like a lot of uh, NCAA tournaments, um, Iowa and Illinois underperform, and then Purdue says, hey, hold my beer. So... (laughs) It's just, you know, um, I I don't know what to say other than when you have a seven foot four guy guarded by a bunch of people a foot shorter than him. Maybe you tell him that's the night you're going to go 40 and 20. (laughs) Right, right. And by the way, you know, again, we do have Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com later in the show uh, in just a few minutes. We taped that interview with Jerry before. Purdue played Friday night. So stay tuned if you want to hear somebody who doesn't know what's coming. But even Jerry said when we talked to him a couple of days ago, he said, you know what, Purdue, just they find weird ways to lose. And here's one. Second number one team ever to lose to a number 16 team. Uh, not only was it Fairleigh Dickinson's first ever win in the NCAA tournament, it's the Northeast Conference's first ever win in the NCAA tournament. Fairleigh Dickinson, such so obscure in college basketball, my brother-in-law is a college basketball coach on the NAIA level. I called him to say, hey, you need to turn the game on. If you're not watching, Purdue is about to lose to FDU. His answer was, who is FDU? <laughs> and where is FDU? Where is FDU? That's right. Yes. New, new Jersey. The New Jersey upset special there. St. Peter's beat Purdue. FDU beat Purdue. Who was the other? Their team was for 
Princeton. 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 Uh, on, on Princeton Thursday, knocked off Arizona. Yeah. Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, so. Thank you. Thank you very much. Monkeys off our back after 24 hours. The, this game, <laughs> this game reminded me of I had a flashback to watching that first weekend on the Big Ten network, watching uh, Michigan lose to App State in football. Mm. And this was very similar. I'm like, this is gonna happen. This is going to happen. And it was just, and then, you know, it, it was just some amazing basketball down the stretch by a team that you didn't think was going to be able to do it, including some blocked shots that were out of this world. My, Matt Painter was saying the same thing you were. Oh, my gosh, this is going to happen. Oh, my gosh, this is going to happen as the game is going on. How, how does a team go from, for six minutes, you have the national player, you're seven foot four. He's got literally eight to 10 inch height advantage on anybody else on the other team. And it, for a six minute stretch from 641 to 55, they don't even shoot a two. And I know there's some turnovers in there too, but they don't shoot a two. They're in the double bonus. They don't get any of the ball against the smallest team in the country. And you wonder why you lost. It's not shocking to me. Yeah. I don't really, I don't, yeah, I don't really have much there. You know, you, I just thought this was a game. I remember sitting down and talking to uh, somebody, you know, on the phone. And I just said, this is going to be the night that, that Edie goes 40 and 20. And I just thought they would keep, you know, even just like throw lobs in front of the basket and let him use his height and his arm length and get 57 fouls on the other team. But never happened. Yeah. Instead of 40 and 20, it's like three and a half hours for the drive back home. Uh, on the same night, you're exactly right. Um, you know, folks, and here's the thing. This is why the Big Ten gets no love from the pundits um, in March. So since the pandemic, the winner of the Big Ten tournament has yet to reach the second weekend, the Sweet 16, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, two years ago, Illinois, number one seed. They lose in the second round to eight seed Loyola. Last year, Iowa, five seed. They lose in their opener to 12 seed Richmond. And then Friday night, Purdue makes history, the one seed losing to 16 seed, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean, people, not only did they didn't know what FD, they didn't know their nickname. I mean, they had no idea who this, who these guys were. I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable. Hey, on the other side, so now that number one is out, um, number four, Indiana, as poor as Purdue looked, Indiana looked fantastic. This is the team everybody thought they would saw they would be, uh, in Crimson and Cream um, during the season. The Hoosiers looked, looked for real against Kent State. Yeah, I can't believe people were picking Kent State to win this game. A lot of pundits are like, oh, this is an upset special. I mean, it's like they hadn't seen any games all year. Well, they probably hadn't, let's be honest. But, no, I, I, I just, you know, Indiana, everybody's talking about Kent State. They're going to guard. It's going to be hard to guard this guy. It's like, who? one, who's to guard and trace Jackson Davis? By the way, kudos to him. First player in the – since the 64 – like, go back to 85-86 to have 20-10-5-5. and five in an NCAA tournament game. Yeah. First player ever that I, if you go back that far. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, they were Indiana plays good defense. Kent state wasn't going to score and they struggled to score. And I knew that was going to happen. So, you know, well, and, and you know what, uh, that he was actually guarded by Chris Payton of Bloomington, Illinois. Yes. So um, I, I actually would watch some games when, when my middle son would actually be guarding him uh, out at game time gym. Uh, so he, he's he's long uh, been been a good player in Illinois, um, but certainly when you have a player of that level trying to guard Trace Jackson Davis, um, the end of the story is not going to go. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> it did not. I tell you, he had a good game though. Give give him yes, some credit. Yes, he had a nice game. Yes, he did. 
10.6 rebounds against a, a guy. Look, this is the Indiana team that everybody was predicting, and we've we've finally got to see them. And to the chagrin of the rest of the Big Ten, we may get to see them a little bit more than we'd like uh, during this tournament. Hey, we have so much coming up here in the next two hours. Jerry Palm, Bruce Weber, we're going to talk about the, the women's side on uh, the NCAA tournament uh, in terms of uh, what's going on uh, for that, that tournament in the various locations around. Also, we'll take a preview of the Saturday games in the NCAA looking on to round two. We've got that and much more after this timeout. Stay with us. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. This segment presented by Busey Bank, proud sponsor of the Illini Athletics, as well as the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Uh, tough finish to the season for the Illinois men's basketball team. They set a dubious mark. It's the first time ever that they lose their final three games when that also includes a trip to the NCAA tournament. Um, lost their final regular season game to Purdue, lost their Big Ten opener against Penn State, and then they lose on Thursday to Arkansas in the 8-9 game, the ninth seed Illini coming up short, 73-63. Um, guys, kind of tough. I, I, I want to get your thoughts. In my mind, you know, it's tough considering all the promise this team had. Um, obviously, a lot of new pieces coming in, a lot of question marks. Seemed like they had things answered with the big dramatic overtime win over Texas back in uh, in, in in December, early December in New York City. And it just felt like things were never the same after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's definitely true. Um, this team never really put it together. You kept thinking like, okay, they're going to put it together at some point. They're going to figure it out. There's some talent there, and it never happened. They just never were able to click the same problems they had early in the season they had later in the season. So uh, it's disappointing in that regard, and not so much that they lost in the first round. It's just this: the game against Arkansas was a microcosm of the season in one 40 minute, just epic disaster. Yeah, it's really hard to top that. Um, but there's just, there's a few moments that we would see when the Illini would get the ball inside, kick it out to a person for a three point shot with their shoulders square. The pass goes into the shooting pocket. The shot looks good coming off their hand and it misses. And that's pretty much the story of the Illini season. Uh, open shots, things that are working as they're drawn up, and uh, that just doesn't get executed quite right. Yeah, there was so much of that, and and it was funny that you know uh, we heard from um, uh, from 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 a someone else in the Big Ten was talking about Illinois late in the season, and and they had a great point. They said, you know, this is a team that can go from red hot to completely ice cold faster than anybody maybe in the country, and. And that's also correct. You know, I was working Thursday. I walked away from the away from uh, the screen, um, stepped away to go get ready to to do my day job. 
uh, literally in a seven minute span. When I stopped watching the Illini had come back within five points in the second half, seven minutes later, I looked up, they were down by 15. I mean, I, I, I thought somehow the, the internet was wrong. My phone was wrong. I mean, I, I just, you know, it's, it's one of those that's, um, and it, it, Brad, it feels like that that's one thing they'll spend the next week or so, if not longer, trying to figure out, am I right? Like, what happened? I mean, coaches, players, everyone kind of reevaluating, like, what went wrong in this season? Well, I think they know. I mean, in talking to them after the game, I got a talk, chance to talk to every player and every coach after the game. So it was really good. They all said to the man, the, co- the players said, you know, we just didn't listen. Um, we didn't execute. We didn't follow scouting reports. I, I wouldn't say everyone, but I think of a lot of the older guys were talking to the younger guys about not really following scouting reports and not paying attention to those things. And, and, and you know, even some of the older guys talked about how, you know, they just didn't do a good job leading and didn't have the right leadership. And the coaches talked about how, you know, they just couldn't, couldn't get on the same page. And, and, I, that happens sometimes with different groups. You're not always going to have the perfect mesh meshing of like, you know, say what you want, but like Brad Underwood, Io DeSumo, Trent Frazier, Andres Feliz, those are his kind of guys, right? He didn't really have his kind of guys on this team, leading this team. Yeah. And, and I think in the end, um, my suspicion is, is if you talk to the coaching staff, they would, you know, when they're reflecting on this, they would probably say this wasn't their best year. And I think a lot of the players, when they sit back and look at this, they're going to have to live with this as a, as a big what if. You know, what if we would have done that? What if we would have done the other thing? Because they can look back to two top 10 teams that they beat and they essentially only played a good half in those two games. And so for the rest of their lives, it'll be like, well, what would have happened if we'd have played a full game? What would have happened if we had just played hard and, you know, listened to the coaches the whole time? You know, you have to live with that. Maybe that'll help them motivate and carry through and other things in life um, as a lesson learned. Yeah, I want to get back to something Sturdy said. It's a question I I had um, after the game. Uh, as I was driving home that night um, and just reflecting on just this season, um, you know, this program and its success and the winning its program in the big 10 over the past four years and, and a big 10 tournament title two years ago and regular season, regular season championship a year ago. And it seems like rather than everyday guys, we had every other day guys, it just felt like it, it, this year, um, but it's still Brad Underwood's still the coach. He's still the lead recruiter. He's the guy that calls the shots. How does this change his approach going into the, the offseason now in terms of how he goes through and goes after and, and takes um, commitments from players to make up the roster moving forward? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think the one thing is you kind of look at, I think that's like every other day, guys. You like that, <laughs> didn't you? Huh? I think it's more every other half, guys. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting. I feel like they have to do a good job of finding guys that fit their culture. I, I think it was hard this year. Now, I will say this. I think Terrence Shannon fits the culture of the everyday guy in the sense that he brings effort and energy and plays hard, but he's not really that vocal leader like a Trent Frazier or Andres Feliz or Adesuma was. So he's a different kind of guy. He's not really a leadership role. So they need a guy who's going to be like that, that 
you know, a, a leader. Find a guy who has that mentality, a bulldog mentality. And, and I think it would really help this team. I think they could still be – and I, this team is really close. And I know people may not understand that. But they're really close to being very good, and they're you know especially if Shannon and Hawkins return, um, as it kind of seems like that might happen. If those two guys return, and you know the growth of Ty Rogers and some other guys, R.J. Melendez, Luke Goody, and then you bring in the right guys in the portal, this team could be right there in the you know in that mix again at the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think I think it's an interesting off season. You know, you've got to take a look and analyze what you can learn from last off season. Uh, I think we all would say you need a point guard who's got some experience. Um, and I think we would all say that you probably want to make sure that you think a player is a good fit personality wise for the rest of the team. So um, I'm sure they're going to take a look at that and try to figure out what they could do different or better to get better results. Yeah. I want to talk a little more about that before we hit a commercial break. I do want to play a little bit of the presser. After the game uh, with the coach Underwood, Terrence Shannon, and also RJ Melendez uh, was in that uh, presser room. Let's listen in just a bit, and then we'll we'll continue here after after the soundbite. We lost so much from from the last couple teams, uh, so to put a group together and have them fight and compete spe- speaks volumes to these young guys and their character. Um, and uh, you know, we knew there would be ups and downs. The guy to my right here, RJ Melendez, probably went through one of the more interesting seasons, and then to see him finish it off today uh, the way he did was, was, was unbelievable, showed his ability and, and what he's going to be in the future. Um, and, uh, you know, Terrence came in and had an all-league year, no doubt about that. But um, turnovers were the key. Uh, give Arkansas the credit. And, uh, you know, and then the one thing that uh, was probably the most disappointing thing was three offensive rebounds um, for us. But... Uh, um, Arkansas deserves the credit, and they, they they played better than we did today. Take question in the front row. Steve Greenberg, Chicago Sun-Times. This is for, for Brad and, and, and also Terrence. Uh, you wanted it to be fun. You said that a few times. Players said that also, kind of free and easy. It it, it looked more like uh, difficult, you know, uh, kind of strained or hard and for, for much of the game. Um, are you disappointed with how you guys came out and, you know, what the energy level was and uh, compete level and all that? Well, and I think the one thing that, again, give Arkansas some credit, uh, the one thing we fought to do all year is get started. And, and um, you know, it's, it's – it's, um, I think we went the first three possessions and didn't run anything. Um, and, and, you know, all of a sudden they're live ball turnovers and you're, and you're behind. And, you know, it, it becomes a, um, when you're playing uphill that quickly um, and you do that in the NCAA tournament, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, I thought we prepared very well. I thought we'd had good practices. Uh, but, again, there's, um, you know, there's value. And in, in, um, having been out there, we threw a lot of guys out there, played a lot of freshmen as they did. But um, we didn't uh, – we didn't execute very well and got off to a tough start because of that. Terrence? Um, I mean, you pretty much said it all. Um, I mean, we, I mean, it's always disappointing when you lose, but um, I mean, we could have got off to a better start. Like you said, we didn't uh, run 
on our plays uh, the first couple of possessions. Um, but like like you said, again, it's been like that all year. Um, we just didn't find a way to start and play a full game. Little front row opposite side. Brian Teague, CSOM Sports. So this question is for RJ and for Terrence. Obviously, you guys have talked about how the season's had its share of ups and downs. What are you guys going to learn from this season to take you guys forward? Start with the RJ first. Um, <clears throat> for future seasons, we just got to not commit these mistakes again because um, it cost us last year's as well. Um, just simple mistakes, a lot of turnovers in the first half. Um, we can't let that happen, and we just got to make sure um, we always stay connected as a team. Um, like, never let go of our emotions. Just keep him in the game and make sure we listen to coach on everything he says because he has a purpose with every, every single play, and we didn't run it at the, at the first three plays, like he said. So it's just it's our fault, kind of, because he's calling them and we're not listening to them or we're not um, <clears throat> doing them. So we just got to be better, listen better, and be mentally tougher. Um, some I can learn, uh, some we can learn as a team. Uh, it's probably doing a better job of following our coach's game plan. Um, throughout the year, we we had a lot of games where the coach would tell us what the other team would do, and they would do it, and it would be because of our mistakes. Um, so just following the game plan better, uh, that's something that uh, I've learned uh, that we learned a lot this year as a team. We're going to stay in the front row. Derek Piper, Atlanta Inquirer. Brad, you mentioned the turnover within the roster. How important is it to you to have some of that continuity going forward for the guys that played today will be with you going forward? I have no – I mean, in today's world, I don't – you have very little control over that. You hope so. We've got – we got locker room. I want everybody in that locker room back. Um, but again, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 there's, there's, you know, we'll have conversations and we'll, we'll hope that, um, that, that everybody's back. If they do, we're going to be with, we're going to be one of the top teams in the country. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's a process and, um, everybody's got to understand the process. And when they don't understand the process, um, you know, they transfer. So, um, you know, if they do, uh, getting guys like Terrence who become all league, Alfonso Plummer last year, all league, Matt Meyer, all league, uh, we'll go find other guys. And, and, you know, we hope that's, we don't have to do that very often because, you know, we got a couple guys that are, that are damn good players and, and, uh, and guys that have grown a bunch and, uh, hope they're all back. Brad, you were saying earlier, and we heard a little bit there, that it, it sounded like these players, to a man, understood their own deficiencies. And it seems like, and I know things can change when you get back around parents and handlers and people in your ear, it felt like the majority of this team, the guys who have eligibility, plan on coming back. Is, is that an accurate take as we stand right now? Just, uh, if just you talk to players, yes. If right. you talk to players, yes. But they're going to go home and talk to parents and handlers and coaches and high school coaches and, you know, and so forth. And they're going to, and agents, and they're going to say, well, you know, what can we do here? And so, yeah, you never know. But yeah, it seems like they all have the right mindset. And the weird part about it is these guys knew. Like, I mean, I thought Coleman Hawkins was maybe the best, you know, usually he kind of be, he, he kind of is, uh, gives the, 
um, coach speak answers and things like that. But he was really like introspective and talking about how, you know, it was on them. This shouldn't have been surprising. This is the way we played all year. It shouldn't be surprising that we played this way just because it was an NCAA tournament. He got it. And he said, this wasn't the culture I had my first two years on this team. And so he said, you know, I have to do it. I have to bring it back next year. You know, and that, that's kind of what he said. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's good to have them introspective like that. And I think the other part that they have to have is, is, you know, not only understanding it, but then trying to make those changes to get better results. And that's the part, I guess, that that maybe like a guy like Io was so good at doing how, how he would add to his game and and come back a more developed player. And I think that's this is something that maybe they need to take a page out of his book on on figuring out how to get better. Illinois finishes the season 20 and 13. And and folks, I know that fans are upset right now, but put this in perspective. Uh, you're upset after another 20 win season and a third straight would be fourth straight due to COVID third straight NCAA tournament appearance that has not happened in a long time. So the program has moved forward, but again, uh, doesn't take that next step in terms of uh, getting a pair of wins getting the, the second weekend, but it sounds like uh, the, you know, the retrospect and, and the introspective already has started. Um, and these players that have an understanding of maybe how to take that next step. So we will see what happens moving forward. This segment presented by Busey Bank once again. And by the way, a lot more coming up here in the next half hour. Bruce Weber, the former Illinois coach and Big Ten Network analyst, uh, he will join us up next to we'll talk about the other Illini team in the NCAA tournament, uh, the women coming up just short in um, South Bend uh, late this earlier this week. This is the Illini Guys Radio Network. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Sports Spectacular continues. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley right here. And um, uh, earlier in the week, the Illini women breaking through. First NCAA tournament appearance since 2003. Uh, George Bush was in his first term in the White House. That's how long it was. And uh, Mike was only 80. Uh, it's, it's, sorry, Brad, I stole your line. Um, 7056, <laughs> unfortunately, they came up short against Mississippi State. Um you know, I, I know it's a tough end, but boy, the injuries at the end, Jayla Odin, a key reserve, um, missing the final several games with a, with a hand injury. And then Kendall Bostic, what an effort uh, coming through, um, but managing only 22 minutes despite a, a leg injury that clearly was a problem for her. We were already, um, you know, undersized uh, with Kendall and without her, it just uh, made this almost an impossible task. Yeah, you throw in the fact it was Bryn Chupil's first game. She missed the previous four games. This was a this team was the walking wounded, and they lacked depth all year anyway. So when you put that together, you you don't have any depth, and really, and you lose um, uh, three key players, or or they're not one hundred percent. It's going to be tough to win against a team like Mississippi State, especially when they have, of course, and their strength is their six foot five center who is dominant on the interior, and Elday just couldn't match up. 
Yeah, I was thinking about putting a rule in for the NCAA that uh, nobody can be taller than me unless they're <laughs> on the Illini. Um, that has not passed yet. But uh, I thought the team played really um, the first half. I thought they played incredible considering how uh, you know hard Kendall was laboring. And it was fantastic uh, that they could do that. And I think once the other uh, coaching staff figured out that she was having issues and she tightened up over halftime, I think <laughs> that was all she wrote, folks. But uh, you can't give, you, you know, the Illini fought hard. Yeah, I had to laugh at the reading the postgame comments with a Mississippi State coach that his assistants kept saying, she's injured. Go inside to Carter. Go inside to Carter. And Jessica Carter was fantastic, by the way. I mean, she was an outstanding player in her own right and exciting to watch. Um, six five and just uh, boy, great footwork. Um, uh, but yeah, at one point game at halftime, it's all uh, Illinois down just by one, uh, battled them even all the way. But that third quarter, just one field goal, one of 11 shooting. Um, that was what really did them in uh, in the third quarter. They never recovered from that. So, uh, Shauna Green and uh, and players talking after the game about uh, you know, this game and this amazing season and excited about what's to come. You know, we we could have given up at the end and, and we just kept battling, kept competing, kept fighting. Um, you know, I also, I really knew we had to shoot it better and we only, we were four for 20. Um, that would have helped a lot, just kind of alleviate some of, you know, where uh, we're not always having to attack if we can get some inside out and get some threes and they just weren't falling uh, for us tonight. So just one of those games, credit Mississippi State, um, you know, but doesn't take away anything that we did this season. Uh, we did it, had an absolutely amazing season and got somewhere that no one, it, you're, you're lying if anyone in here said we'd be here. So um, just really, really happy for these, these guys to be able to experience this. And now we're going to learn from it and we're going to use this as motivation coming back because we have pretty much our entire team coming back besides Geo. And, and we are going to learn from this and use this as we go into next season. You know, that's the one thing that's, you know, that's a great feeling is knowing as, you know, you have pretty much your same team coming back. And, and you know, obviously uh, with only one uh, senior. So that that's huge. And, and if we and I told him if we can keep this core together um, and, and add pieces, you know, around it, we need more depth. We need some more size. You guys know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, and, and it's just like we I mean, the sky's the limit, I truly believe. We, we got here, uh, and again, I mean, there was times tonight we had three healthy people on the floor, and, and we still had opportunities. So with, with what they've learned, the journey that we've been on, the growth we've made, it's one thing I know last year, and KB was right, she said, you know, last summer it was about, I mean, I'm teaching them, you know, how the footwork I want them to shoot. I'm teaching them layups. I'm teaching them how we pass. I'm teaching them terminology. We're trying to grow as a, a, a unit just in getting to know each other. Where now I have a crystal clear vision of what we need to get better at. And believe me, we're going to work on it every single day. Some of the things that have been, you know, the things that are glaring and, and we're going to attack those and, and we're going to be better for it. So it helps me because I know now and I know what each of these guys needs to improve on. I know what we need to improve on collectively. And 
that knowledge is power and we're going to attack those relentlessly in the off season. Yeah. You know, it was funny to hear uh, or interesting to hear green talk about, you know, in this era of the portal and all the changes, having continuity with their roster next year and having almost everyone back um, that, that is special because that is really important. And I know they're going to add pieces in the transfer portal, um, well, maybe a couple, but I mean, I, I really think that they're going to be, um, yeah, I think they're going to be really good next year, and they've got a great uh, foundation. Yeah, and if you give that foundation a six-foot-five gal or two, um, you know, they might have a high-rise built pretty quick. Uh, and I do think that it's really hard to step back and, and really assess just how much Shauna Green has meant to this program because you're talking it was moribund at best, and it's been – just, you know, just has, has been struggling. And she's turned this into like a, a, a main, you know, like a trophy case type of program in 12 months. Yeah. And like you said, you get uh, just about every player back for the most part, most players back, you add uh, a couple of outstanding high school recruits and uh, Corey Allen and Gretchen uh, Dolan, who's just a scoring machine up there in New York. Uh, Allen, just uh, such a great job, uh, had a great season uh, down at Mount Bird in Florida. So, uh, and then again, transfer portal. It's exciting to think of, um, boy, if you can do 22 off the, off the, off the bat, uh, what could, what's in store for later? And it's not um, out of the question to see this team ranked in the top 25 the entire season, uh, possibly get into that uh, top four in the Big Ten and possibly a second weekend in the NCAA next year. Um, lots of good things that it seems to come for this Illini women's program. Stay here. It's the Sports Spectacular, powered by the Illini guys. Bruce Weber joins us next, right here. The Sports Spectacular, powered by the Illini guys, Larry, Mike, and Brad, joined by the coach, Bruce Weber, friend of the show, and coming back now, a former Illinois coach and now an analyst on the Big Ten Network. Hey, coach, we were joking here in the break. Um, looked like you had a lot of fun uh, up there in Chicago on the on the announcer desk. It, you, what a great year for you, and uh, it was great to have your analysis throughout the season. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It, it was fun, and I, I think when we talked way back in the – early part of the season, I was a little nervous and, you know, had that Purdue game was my first one on the air and had the Illini, I think the next one. So, um, you know, slowly but surely worked into it, got a feel of it. And it was great to be in Chicago for the tournament, just to have all the teams there, the excitement, the energy in the building, to see a lot of coaches and see a lot of friends and people, you know, from obviously a long time at Purdue, Illinois. And then it just seemed, I, I joked, um, even Indiana fans who yelled at me, threw things at me, you know, it, all, all of the above. And, and they were they were even like, oh, coach, let's get a picture, you know, sign an autograph. Or, it, it was fun, that, that part of it. Uh, and then to see, you know, I, obviously my former assistant, Matt Painter, uh, to win the league and then uh, win the tournament. Uh, you know, just real proud of him and his success. Yeah. Coach, it was it was great seeing you up there. I I would say uh, you you get it. You had two different roles this year, Big Ten Network. One's play by or the analyst in the arena, and the one's the post game. Which one did you like better? Um, you know, probably the the post game. Uh, well, you know, the I guess I, I should say I did enjoy the games when I did. You know, when I was color on the games, 
I did not, I had never done that before. So I was a little nervous about it and, but I did enjoy it more than I thought. And I, I, I think I did about eight non-conference games. I didn't end up, I was supposed to have one conference game. It ended up being canceled because of COVID, but um you know, I, I I definitely would do a few more of those to mix in, but I did enjoy the in the studio. They're just great guys. Obviously, Dave Revson, Rick Pizzo, Mike Hall, really professionals, been around the whole time. And then, you know, to be with Steve Bardo and Robbie Hummel and Rayfeld Davis, um, you know, we had a lot of fun with that part of it. And, you know, try not to be too critical of, of the, the teams, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, give a little insight into why things are working and, you know, why, why, you know, the ups and downs of seasons and things like that. So hopefully I gave some decent insight. So one question a lot of fans have is, and of course this comes from the fan perspective, not the person who's been a coach, but how do you balance that, that whole fairness issue when you're talking about an Illinois or let's say a Kansas state places that you've been and you know, Purdue that you were at for so long. How do you walk that line? Yeah, it, it is tough because you, you sometimes, uh, it's funny, we'll sit back in the, stu- in the studio, in the green room watching all the games. Well, one of the guys is Northwestern, one's Michigan State, somebody's Purdue. I have the Illinois ties and, and everybody is uh, cheering, uh, you know, for different, different people and, and, and then you get on the air and you've got to take off your cap that you're cheering for and, and, and just, you know, really promote the league, which, uh, you know, which we did. And I hope we did. It was a great year. There's so many close games, so many, you know, the, just the parody in that middle of the pack made it for every, every time you think you had it figured out, you know, somebody surprised you and something else happened. So, you know, it was a great year to be part of the league and, and tried to do our best of, of staying neutral and, and not giving too much of a bias. Now the I will tell you, non-conference games. The Big Ten says you are you're doing you're doing color and announcing for the home team, so you don't have to be biased when the Illini are playing uh, Kansas City Kangaroos or Purdue's playing Wisconsin Milwaukee. You can you can be the home announcer and and really promote them. I thought that, uh, to be fair, I thought you did a better job um, than some of the other people on the desk of being neutral. I mean, I thought you're uh, the times when I caught you, of course, I didn't see you every night. Uh, but, you know, I don't I don't stalk you and know your schedule. But I mean, <laughs> when I did catch you on there. I thought you were extremely fair. Talking with uh, Bruce Weber, Big Ten Network uh, analyst, again, uh, as Brad mentioned, in game as well as in studio. And of course, a former Illinois head coach and longtime Purdue assistant before that. Um, you know, coming out of the last weekend and now uh, getting into the tournament itself, um, any surprises of this? I mean, you, like you said, when we talked back in November, we had no idea the league would be this competitive. We didn't know Purdue would have the season that they had. What, what are your thoughts looking back and how things went? Well, you know, it is crazy. I mean, you think of the extreme is, is Northwestern pick 13th or 14th and they end up, you know, two, the number two seed. And, you know, I, I, I laugh because at media day, I was part of that and we were going through all the teams and, and, you know, I kept asking the guys at the desk, you know, um, Hey, what about Northwestern? We're going to talk about Northwestern. No, we're not going to talk about Northwestern. And I, Chris, obviously my former assistant, Chris Lowry was there. And, you know, Chris kept telling me, man, we got two good guards. We got a good group. Good, you know, so, and then they ended up being successful. You know, the, 
The other thing is a team like Nebraska, you know, what Fred Hoiberg did was really spectacular. I mean, you can go down the line. There's so many stories. I, uh, you know, I think the, the voting for, you know, top coach, you could have went a lot of different ways. Um, obviously what Matt did, they were picked sixth or seventh. Uh, everyone knew they had, you know, the big fella and, and Zach and, you know, but at a year ago, he played 20 minutes a game, 18 minutes a game. No one, no one anticipated 30. I did get, I, I went around and saw some practices and I did a clinic at Purdue. And so I got to see them early and I knew that I had, I had recruited the, the freshman point guards or watched them throughout their recruitment. And I knew those guys, you know, had a little more than people were giving them credit for. Um, I think Matt was afraid of his defense, uh, you know, how far along they would be defensively, but they made a nice adjustment. Obviously it helps to have the big fella inside and, and uh, you know, they, they definitely were one of the surprises and not only in the big 10, but in the nation. Yeah. You know, you interesting. So I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. You talked about their guard play and how they're maybe a little more advanced than you thought they would be. One of the big keys when you get into March is that guard play. Yes. Can those can those young guards do enough to to take the pressure off Edie and allow them to make maybe a Final Four or national championship run? Yeah, I, it'll be interesting whether it's them or Illinois or you know whoever it might be in our league. Um, you know, you it, you're going to have to have good guard play. You're going to have to take care of the basketball. You're going to have to get them into their stuff and. Um, you know, I, I, I thought early those two freshmen for Purdue, um, you know, they were handling it so well. And, and I, you could, you know, like I said, the first day I went to practice, I was like, you know, these guys are pretty good. They got some toughness. A little, I, Braden Smith has a little, I always say moxie. He's got that little bit of it, uh, you know, there. And, um, and then, you know, they probably hit a little wall somewhere along the line, like a lot of people did in the league. And, uh, they, they've had their struggles, but they keep coming back and battling. And so it, it's helped that, you know, a Jenkins and a Newman have really stepped up for them. So, you know, in, in Illinois' case, obviously, the, you have the, the veterans in, in Meyer and, and Shannon, and, but they're really not true point guards. And, you know, so you've had to rely on some young guys. I, I really like Epps. I, I like Harris. I like, um, uh, you know, Epps, Harris, and Rogers, uh, really good players. But again, they're freshmen, and they they've had their ups and downs. And, you know, they got to figure it out. So it it'll you know, and as both teams go into the tournament, it'll be interesting to see all these how these young guards can handle the the stress of the game and and you know what what other teams throw at them, all those type of things. I will say that I thought the league. Um, you know, for years I watched just, you know, I was in the Big 12 and, and the Big 12 was so diverse as a league with different styles of play. And I really thought that always helped us in the tournament. And and because we did, you know, one, the styles of play, other people don't see it all the time. So it helps. Um, and then two, uh, you know, for our our teams in the league, we face so many different things. And, and this year. The, there were a variety of styles, I, I thought, in the league more than probably in the past few years. You know, from Nebraska, the way they defended, to the way Northwestern defended, to Maryland with their presses and zone and, and Rutgers and, you know, people switching more, um, doing different things. So I, I, I'm hoping in the long run, um, you know, that would 
definitely help the, the teams as they get into the tournament. You know, Coach, you, you obviously know Coach Lowry, uh, who, who went up to Northwestern. What, what did he bring to that team that turned that team into such a defensive nightmare for the rest of the Big Ten? Well, we have a, a system that we've developed, and, and, you know, Chris has been really instrumental in it. it you know, we started it at SIU and, and continued it into, you know, our days at Illinois. And then, you know, Chris obviously had, if you remember his team, well, we had like five years in a row at, of NCAA tournaments at SIU and his, the last, his couple last two, he went to the sweet 16 also. And, you know, they, those, those teams were feared, you know, to go against the, I ran into a coach uh, a while ago and he said, I'll never forget. uh, We we only scored nine points on your team at halftime. And, you know, that, that our guys took such pride in it and, um, you know, and that's continued. So Chris brought that. Obviously, uh, he's got experienced guards. Uh, and then the big guy, Nicholson, really did a great job in those in post D and the post traps and, um, you know, and, and just kind of buying to his system. And, and again, credit to Chris Collins. It's not easy. He he called me early in the summer and said, you know, hey, I, I need somebody that can help me on the defensive end. I need somebody to help with my young assistants. Um, that'll be a good influence and help me as a, as a head coach. You always, it's always nice to have somebody that's been a head coach on your staff. That's been through it. That, you know, when it gets tough, they're there to tell you, you know, fight, help you fight through it. So, so Chris did, I think a little bit of all that and, you know, their post trap, their, their defense was really, really good. And and again, a lot of it was the principles that we kind of had, you know, I I think if you look at our K-State teams, we had, some of the better defensive years, not only in, in the big 12, but in the country at times. And, um, and our Northwestern carried that over with them. Uh, Coach Weber, talk us, talk to us about um, the, the difficulties of, of winning in March, obviously the big run in, in 05 with Illinois um, elite eight trip with, uh, with K States um, so many times in the tournament, you had those runs into the second weekend. And then you also like every coach, had those times when you fell short of expectations. Um, what is it about March and the pressure cooker that this is um, that makes it so hard um, to find consistent success year in, year out in the NCAA? It's, it's, I have great respect for those coaches that find a way because it's hard. And all yeah, you it's hard. Fantastic, but it's really hard. Yeah, it really is. And, and you go through your, you go, I think every coach, even the, even the elite ones, you're, uh, you know, Coach K even had his moments, his upsets where he lost to lower seeds. And Tom Izzo, you know, you're talking about some of the best ones in the history of the game. They've all gone through that. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the big formulas, uh, and this Chris Beard said this years ago, he said, you got to get old and stay old. But that's not easy in college basketball. <laughs> and, and then it helps to, I think, that one of the other formulas is to have um, you know, it, it's nice to have a lottery pick, you know, to have a go-to guy that can make plays. And, you know, we are our 05 team. Not only did we have a lottery pick, but we had five guys that all ended up playing in the NBA at some point. So, you know, made it a lot easier on me. I, I promised you that I could cheer them. And somebody said, Oh, you're really a cool, calm coach. Oh yeah. You got Darren and D and Luther and Roger and James and, <laughs> You know, so that made it a lot easier. There's no doubt. But, you know, those are two 
important things. And I think what happens, in, and this happened to us with Coach Katie for years at, at Purdue, we were we had to work our butt off just to get in the tournament, you know, and, and you probably overachieve and, and just to get in, then you lose. And like, well, what happened? Well, we we probably overcoached or not overcoached, but got the most out of our kids and and you know they overachieved and then you, just to get in the tournament so you know you lose it's not a big thing but obviously with fans it, it's important and they love being part of that that those runs in march in march and um it 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 there's no doubt it's a special time of year and and you know i've been fortunate to be in that tournament a bunch of times and um you know it, it this is a you know as i said this this is when the you know you kind of get the chills and you, you feel excited about uh, you know having having the opportunity of playing the NCAA tournament. Is there a team that you haven't really got a chance to watch that you're excited to watch in this tournament? I know I know you've seen a lot of the Big Ten teams, but maybe some of the teams outside the league. Yeah, you know, I, I you're always looking for those mid majors. Yeah, I want to see Florida Atlantic, see what they're about. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, you see most of the power guys, you know, off and on. We're sitting in the studio. We got six screens or eight screens going. And, you know, we got the Big Ten games on. But on the side screen, it's an ACC game. It's a, 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 a Big East game. I, I, I'll be interested to see the Big East, um, how they, you know, they, you know, and some people have said UConn are, you know, is, is the team. I, you know, I'll, uh, a Creighton team can really score the basketball uh, Ed Cooley's team at Providence is always really tough. Uh, so, you know, those will be fun. And then see a little bit of what happens with the Pac-12. You know, they uh, everyone doubts them. And, and, you know, it obviously hurt UCLA to get a couple of injuries late. Um, you know, that may be a, a setback for them. But you guys saw UCLA up close and personal way back. And Illinois played a special game to beat them. So, um you know, we'll see what happens. Well, Coach, we will leave it there. We've got 30 seconds. Can you give us your final four pick of your national champion? <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you if you feel brave enough, bold enough? I don't even – I have no idea. I haven't studied it that closely. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wish I could. I, I just – I'm hoping and, uh, for the big – you know, Big Ten. Uh, you know, I was part of it 27 years, 18 at Purdue, 9 at Illinois. I grew up in Wisconsin, so – it's been part of my life. I really want them to have success, um, you know, and, and I really I really think we have some teams that could surprise some people and get into that Sweet 16. My thought is once you get to the Sweet 16, a lot of things can happen. And you got the upsets and, you know, all the things that, you know, craziness that is part of March. So um, I'm, I'm hoping we have some teams advance. Uh, I, you know, I've said all along the line, I, they – you know, they easily could win two games if they get a, the right mindset and get a click in and, and make some shots. Uh, obviously, that's the key for everybody. Um, you know, Purdue's a, got a, you know, a great chance. Uh, and then I think Michigan State and, and Michigan State has, you know, they got guards and they can shoot. They've been shooting the ball up until the last game. And Iowa can score, too. I think we can surprise some people and, and Northwestern's defense. I don't know if anyone's ready for that. So I, I'm hoping um, you guys are you got something to talk about in a, in, in a week, and, and it's and it's good stuff about the Illini and the big and the Big Ten. We we hope so too, Coach. It is always a pleasure to talk with you. It has been uh, 
for so long. We appreciate your time and, and certainly enjoy the games. And we look forward to seeing you here in the fall again. Appreciate it, Larry. Thanks. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Coach Bruce Weber right here at Big Ten Network. And again, former head coach at Illinois, former assistant at Purdue. Enjoying the games uh, just like we have and this incredibly competitive Big Ten season. Certainly appreciate his time. A great friend of the show. Stay with us. Much more. We are the Illini guys. This is the Sports Spectacular. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry, Mike, and Brad right here with you. And let's take a look at the Saturday games uh, as we look ahead to the second round. Um, boy, you know, the one thing that really sticks out to me, by the way, on Friday, five Big Ten teams in action, three of them winning, uh, Maryland, Northwestern, and then the late game on Thursday night was, was Penn State. A great matchup. Penn State only a 10 seed, but look, you guys know very well, Nittany Lions ran through and looked really good all the way to the Big Ten tournament title game uh, last Sunday when they gave Purdue all they wanted before the Boilermakers finally uh, came through. They completely destroyed Texas A&M, which did the same thing. They were the two seed and, and you know, playing the title game in the SEC championship, uh, losing to Alabama. They gave them all they wanted. It, this was never a game even at halftime. Now they took on a Texas team. <laughs> really good matchup yeah you know it's funny texas actually doesn't play big so penn state can kind of run some their smaller guys out there like like to do with their space and pace and jalen pickett can back guys down and you know play his booty ball and <laughs> kick it out to shooters and you know I, it's a it's a nice matchup for them i mean it really is i i don't i'm you know i i would still probably i think texas is a five and a half point favorite but I could see Penn State winning this game. I mean, this is a – for me, this is probably closer to a two-point line. Yeah, and and I I, I actually – in most of my brackets, because I do about 10 of them, so I can say that at least one of them will be decent by the end. Um, I think Penn State – I've got them on almost every bracket beating Texas. So could be a really ugly day. And, of course, you have the Northwestern matchup with UCLA – where, um, you know, Northwestern split with Illinois and UCLA got beat in a, uh, you know, a great game with Illinois um, should be an interesting matchup. And, of course, I don't know anybody who hasn't had for months the potential matchup of Furman and San Diego State uh, ready to go and watch. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Uh, first off, yeah, Northwestern, UCLA. Brad, any thoughts on that before we move to the – the upset side? Yeah, I mean, F you, baby. I mean, they're my favorite. I mean, I'm, I'm going I'm going F you all the way. I, I, how about Princeton, Missouri? That's another barn burner, right? Yeah. 15 and 7. One of those teams is going to be in the Sweet 16. I, I actually had Mizzou in the Elite Eight um, in my bracket. So um, I, I think Dennis Gates did a fantastic job uh, in Columbia. And Princeton – I, I do believe Arizona now goes into the books as the first team uh, to be a two seed twice and twice lose to a 15 seed. Uh, was it Arizona and was it was it Santa Clara back in yep. the yeah. uh, Lute, back was, in the Lute Olson era, right? Yeah, was that was Steve Nash on that team back then? Is like a I don't I don't think I don't, he might have been, but I don't remember that. I don't remember him playing a lot. I just remember Santa Clara beating them. Might have been before his time, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So, and by the way, Furman, uh, a paladin actually is a knight. 
from the eighth century. Uh, look that up. So there you go. If you if uh, you've played Dungeons and Dragons, Larry, you know. You, that. Yeah, oh, you really? knew that, Larry. Yes, I yeah. had no idea. Well, that Mike was, and I knew. Oh. I, yeah. I, I guarantee Mike and I knew. Yes, yes, we did. You know, they started off just as fighters, and then uh, they added the paladin class for those who have a little bit more religious behavior and aren't running around just wantonly killing. Had to be had to be morally good. To yeah, be a I paladin. Know. Never, I never was one. There, I it's just I... weird because then their their logo is fu, so it doesn't <laughs> flip, doesn't fit. The fu pal, the paladins say fu. Yeah, <laughs> it's not flow. Just, you're, really, you're really enjoying that, aren't you? I am. I'm having a ball. I love it. Here, I, thought I, was, I thought I was doing something. Hey, hey, guys, their paladins are knights. <laughs> but now you're telling me I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm too. I'm too cool for school. Is what you're telling yeah, me? You're, you're not as hip as you thought you were. Yeah, when, when, when you're talking medieval crap, Brad and I are pretty good at that. We watch Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> which I didn't watch that either. So. I read the books. Silence in the, in the room. Like, okay. We put this back on the rails. <laughs> hey, look, the thing that scares me is now I'm starting to be afraid that Duke's going to be really good and make it to the final four. Somebody yeah. talk, talk me out of it, please. Well, you know what? And I, I couldn't, I, I thought about you guys. Uh, I noticed on ESPN, I think every single guy in the, in the studio, of course, they're all ACC guys. I'll pick Duke like in their final four. And I'm like, really? Come on. You've got a first year coach. Never, never coached a team before. They look great against Oral Roberts. Of course, it was still Oral Roberts of this year, not of two years ago when they uh, got to the Sweet 16. Um, Tennessee barely got by, and I thought that was a, a good effort at the end. Um, I thought that, you know, Raging Cajuns were, uh, what's their name? Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Um, you know, I thought they came on and, and, and I actually had them upsetting Tennessee in that game. So, uh, Duke, Tennessee, Rick Barnes, a really good coach. It's a great matchup. How uh, many, how many times though, Larry, have we seen a team eke out that first game and right. you're like, oh, they're not playing well, they're going to lose. And then the next thing, you know, boom, yeah. wasn't it UCLA years ago with Tyus Edney had to win on a last second shot in the first yeah. round and then won the national title. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that stuff happens, so it's just every game's a new game, and you can't really say this team's playing well, this team's not playing well. Yeah, John Madden used to say there's no such thing as momentum from game to game, and I tend to agree with him. Yeah, that UCLA team, two and 95, I believe that was the one that had to beat a a 12-seed Missouri team that was led by Quinn Snyder, uh, (laughs) coach, to get to the Final Four, uh, Jim Herrick, uh, before things fell apart for him. Um, By the way, we should mention Northwestern UCLA, Conference bedmates uh, in another year, uh, just uh, for what it's worth. True uh, Big Ten battle right there. That's right. Exactly. Coming up uh, to a gym near you in, t- in 2024, 2025. Uh, Alabama, the number one seed, looked outstanding in, in their matchup. Maryland really struggled early, but I give them credit that they uh, were down 13-4 early. Couldn't hit anything. Five turnovers in the first a few minutes, but came back big. Um, do the Terps have a chance against the Tide? Well, there's always a chance. I mean, but I, I, I got to believe, I think Alabama is just too complete right now. I mean, they, they have so many weapons. Uh, I think they're playing at a high level. Yeah, Alabama has successfully um, kind of played the us against the world card. And they've kind of elevated their play with all the legal issues going around. And um, they, they are going to be a very tough team. And who who would have thought that in a year that Alabama didn't make the uh, – uh, the, the the playoffs in football that we're going to have to watch out for them winning the title in basketball. This is yeah. just not a, it's not a fair world. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, a couple of the games get to very quickly. Kansas and one C, they get the win. Uh, no Bill Self in that game. Again, still uh, dealing with the issue we had last week, the episode. Uh, we'll see if he's back against uh, Arkansas, which uh, um, didn't look – it wasn't crisp, but did enough to beat Illinois in their first-round game. Houston-Albert is really intrigues me. Marcus Sasser having a lot of problems with that injury he suffered last week. Uh, didn't play much in this game Thursday night. Will he be available for Coach Sampson um, and Auburn? You know, may have enough to beat him if uh, if he's not. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, Houston has, without Sasser, they're not quite the – they don't have the offensive weapons. Um, so if he can't play, I think that gives Auburn a better chance. I think that's why the line on that one's only around five points. But um, back to – you know, when you talk about this Kansas game, I actually – it's funny, I got to sit with the Kansas coaches as they were scouting this Arkansas-Illinois game. And so that was really intriguing to listen to, listen to them. And they were kind of – they really like the talent on Arkansas. They said that is a really talented eight seed, and uh, they're not wrong. So it's going to be interesting to see if Bill Self, uh, he is in Des Moines. He stayed in the hotel for the first-round game. Um, so he's kind of been around the team, but they're not sure. I mean, he did have the stints put in, and um, so we'll see if that's uh, if he's able to come out. I, I, it would be a really quick return for him to come to the sideline that quickly. Yeah, and, and with Arkansas, my big concern is who told Nick Smith to do that with his hair? And then will somebody tell him not to do it again? Because that was, I couldn't tell if that was like inspired by Pippi Longstocking, but that hair did not look good. And, you know, he shot, what, two for 10. So I think the first thing I would do is go to a different hairstyle and see if that helps the the shot fall a little against Against some very tough. I, uh, I don't think the hair has that much impact in the shooting. I could be wrong. I think you just got to make some shots. I think the the one thing about Arkansas, when you watch them, they feel like they get points for degree of difficulty on their shooting. Yes, I do. guarantee it. I mean, they must because they take some of the most wild shots. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of Illinois games this year, and I thought they took bad shots. Then I saw Arkansas, and they said, hold my beer. <laughs> Except they made them. They make more, but they still <laughs> take a lot of bets. <laughs> All right, NCAA tournament, anything can happen, and uh, even with bad hair. All right, back with more. After this. Well, it is March Madness basketball time, and we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about having him back after uh, the NCAA made its selections for the 68-team tournament. Jerry Palm, senior writer of CBSSports.com. Of course, we call him the godfather of brackets because he's been doing this for uh, more than 20 years. Uh, So, Jerry, um, okay, 67 out of 68. um, The one team you – which I think is a fantastic number, by the way. um, The one team you missed on was, was, was Rutgers, right? Yes, uh, second year in a row, actually, that I've missed on Rutgers. Last year, I had them out and they got in. This year, I had them in and they got out. Um, I had They were my last team in. Arizona State was my first team out, and the committee flipped those two. Um, and that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, it's, um, you know, every team that gets left out, I, I, this is actually my 30th bracket, my 30th year of doing wow. brackets. Congratulations. And I have never once felt sorry for a team that got left out because every one of them, gave the committee a reason to leave them out. And if you give the committee a reason to leave you out and they leave you out, that's on you. So Rutgers, go beat Minnesota. I mean, that you know, all you have to do is beat the worst team in the league. 
and and that's it. And they didn't, and they're out. And it's you know the margins are thin at that part of the bracket. So you know if you're a Rutgers fan, you probably are looking at other teams and saying, well, they you know they could have left them out. They could have left them out. Yes, they did. There's seven, maybe eight teams in the bracket, including Illinois, that gave the committee a reason to leave them out. But you still have to take 68 teams. So they're going to make decisions based on what the collective group believes. And if you're on the wrong side of that line, you still have only yourself to blame. So you've been doing this for 30 years now. The question I have is, you've you've been obviously fantastic at laying the bracket out, getting the teams right. When you're filling them out in the pool, any pools that you're you're joining, do you do better than your average uh, fan when you're trying to decide who's going to win, or is there <laughs> the bias, or is there the bias that you have with your own fandom that gets in the way? Uh, no, I don't think that ever gets in the way. It's just that you know it's hard to pick. You know, it's hard to you know I've had years. It's probably been four or five. I've actually won our experts pool within CBS. You know, they there's like seven or eight of us that print brackets, and I had the best bracket of that group three years in a row. Okay. And going up to about 2018, but I haven't had the best one since. So, you know, it's it's kind of hit and miss. I try not to let, you know, my fan stuff gets in the way because it doesn't help with what I'm trying to do. It's just like, you know, when I'm doing bracketology, you know, the Purdue fan hat has to go to the side because it doesn't help me, you know, with doing bracketology. And by the way, it has the opposite effect that you would think. I don't pick Purdue further or higher because I'm a Purdue fan. I would be more likely to go the other way. Um, And, uh, you know, and especially when it comes to picking Purdue, when the tournament actually starts, it's, it's, it's not really, you know, when we're going to lose or if we're going to lose. It's when we're going to lose. <laughs> and and what sort of torture will be inflicted upon us in the loss? I mean, because we don't just, like, have normal losses. We, we have losses to St. Peter's. We have, you know, losses to Mitch Richmond and, you know, shooting the lights out. We have, we have losses that are traumatic. We, we don't just get normal NCAA tournament losses. And we were talking in the break, again, talking with Jerry Palm here uh, of CBS Sports. We were talking in the commercial break before we came on um, about, in terms of Purdue and Illinois, um, they are the creators of the NCAA tournament rule book. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, the Bolt fans lament, but there's there's some truth to this in terms of they get to the tournament and weird things happen. The the uh, the the kid with the peroxide hair for uh, Virginia, right? Yeah. The crazy yeah. beating that... He yeah. tried, shot ten times and he would only hit it once. And the one time he hit it, takes yeah. out of the out of the final. I game. told, well, it's at the game to overtime. Um, okay, we still could have won in overtime, and in fact, had a lead with a minute to go in overtime. But the the thing about that play is, I told the guy next to me, I said, we haven't had a rebound on a free throw the whole game. If he misses it, they're going to get another shot. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like I don't watch my team. I right. know what's coming. Not just making this, 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 this happens exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, Illinois fans are reduced to trying to figure out what new NCAA rule will be created <laughs> based on their loss. Um, well, they've already set a record. Illinois has. Um, they got into the tournament with a record of two and eleven against Quad One teams. That is the most losses for a team with only two Quad One wins to actually get into the tournament. 
Um, and they got in as a nine seed. And it, the fact that the two wins were UCLA and Texas away from home is what got them in. If that's like Michigan State and Indiana at home, they're in the NIT. Well, and and that that goes to uh, a little bit of gymnastics. That's called a high degree of difficulty pulling that stunt <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, um, boy, they really when Wisconsin was falling, and I'm watching the the net rankings, and I'm thinking, and, and the RPI, I'm thinking, boy, that really hurts Illinois because they always hung their hat on when they were struggling late in the season and failing to win back to back games. Um, you know, they they could say, well, we've got four quad one wins. Well, with Wisconsin falling out of that top 75 RPI, they lost those tills to quad one yeah. wins. So you're exactly right. so um to that point, do you feel the seeding was was fair? Was it harder this year in your point in in your view to to seed the Big Ten and the Big 12 because they were both such competitive leagues and a lot of losses within conference? Um actually the only seeding problem I noticed was Texas AM. I mean, Texas A&M is a seven. We all just audibly gasped in the room when we saw that because, you know, that's a team that we know is a lot better than that. And the committee doesn't do recency bias. So even taking that into consideration, they should have been better than a seven. Um, Texas A&M, of course, they played a bad non-conference schedule. They took two quad four losses. And, you know, the committee, of course, gave them full credit for that, as they always do. Um, or really full demerits in this case. Um, and then they got hot, you know, figured things out, got hot in the SEC, you know, ran an almost rough shot through the, that league, except for Alabama, of course. And, um, you know, they had a great conference part of their schedule, which is why they were in the tournament at all. Um, but even, you know, even considering, you know, if you just don't consider that they were hot at the end of the year or how they did in the league, which is, is definitely not even criteria at all, um, that was uh, a seed that's too low. They should have been a five or a six. And when you have a, a team that's poorly seeded, it not only affects that team, but it affects their first round opponent, maybe even their second round opponent. You know, the, so Penn State, you know, who could have been seeded higher also? It's not as egregious, but, um, you know, gets a team that they shouldn't have to play in the first round. And then if the A&M wins, Texas gets a team they shouldn't have to play in the second round. You know, and it's it's it affects not just the team that's you know seeded poorly, but that's really the only seeding thing that stood out. There was, you know, nitpicks here and there maybe, but uh, uh, nothing of more than one seed line other than A and M. So the the question I guess I have to ask now is is when you're filling out your bracket um, for the championship game, um, who did you have Purdue beating to win the, their first title? I actually had Purdue in the final four, which caused me some trepidation, uh, but <laughs> Alabama winning the tournament. Okay. So, um, and Purdue's got, of, of the one seeds, Purdue's got the widest variance of what they could do because um, they're capable of winning the whole thing at 100% capable of winning the whole thing. They could also lose in the second round, especially if they see Memphis, which is a really athletic team with an NBA guard. And that's a team that I don't think matches up well with Purdue. And the NCAA tournament is always about matchups. So, you know, the committee didn't really do Purdue any favors uh, in terms of this bracket. I mean, the other eight, the only other eight seed they could have given Purdue is Arkansas, which is the same kind of team, athletic with an NBA guy in Nick Smith. Um, but they're a little less cohesive than Memphis is. I think Memphis is actually better. Um, but 
you know, if the Purdue gets out of that, they could see Duke again, who they beat soundly in December. But, you know, they those bigs are a lot better now. Um, yep. You know, those uh, – they if they get by Duke or Tennessee or whoever comes out of there, they could see Marquette again, who they beat at Mackey uh, in the Gabbett games, a five-point win. And, and it's funny, we're watching that game and thinking – that, that Marquette team looks pretty good, you know. Which, uh, that that was a pretty good team, but we didn't realize we were watching two conference champions at that time, you know. Right. So, um, but and Marquette had a tremendous season uh, with Shaka Smart. Uh, a great fit for him up there now instead of being in Texas, and uh, um, they're in Columbus as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. But um, you know, that's so that bracket is loaded, uh, and I didn't even mention Kentucky and Michigan State. So you know, that's. Kentucky is six seed that's got the talent of a one seed, but hasn't played like it all year. Um, so they're dangerous. Michigan State is Michigan State. They've had injury problems throughout the course of the year, but you know they can they can certainly put some stuff together uh, and, may, and maybe not get you know Final Four deep, but you know a couple rounds or so deep. And uh, anyways, uh, it's a it's a pretty strong region. You know you've got blue bloods of Duke and Kentucky and Michigan State you know, in the, in your bracket. And, you know, there's Purdue still trying to get to the final four for the first time in 43 years. Talking with Jerry Palm of CBS sports.com, the Godfather of brackets, uh, official title, I guess official title is senior writer, but we know uh, what this guy does. Mm-hmm. Hey, you mentioned that in terms of Purdue and the one scene, you know, I think one seeds overall had to look at the committee and go, are you kidding me? Because you've got, yeah. you mentioned Memphis and eight seed um, uh, in the, in the Purdue bracket, but then you've got Maryland and eight, uh, possibly to get taking on Alabama a one in round two, yeah. Iowa an eight, possibly getting yeah. Houston, and then Illinois a nine, possibly getting a Kansas a rematch of their secret scrimmage back in October yeah. that Illinois actually won. Um, all three of those teams ranked in the top twenty-five at some point. So um, and yeah. they all have big wins on their resumes. So it's not yeah. like you're going to get I don't know a Northern Iowa that's really good or or a Drake. Right. But I mean, yeah. you're going to get a team here that actually has beaten yeah. a top yeah. team at some point during the season. Well, and also. You know, the ones don't overwhelm like they usually – like at least one or two of them. Most one seeds – most years, you, you've got one or two one seeds, you can just throw it to like the Elite Eight. You know, that's just they're, – they're that much better than everybody else, and we know that they're going to get there, and it's just – then we'll see what happens after that. This year, every one of them could be had with the right matchup. Now, I think Alabama got the best path because they got the worst of the twos. They got the worst of the fours. Uh, the committee seating, I don't think agreed with that, but they did. And then they've got a three seed in Baylor, who's a very good team, but struggling going into the in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, and then and their two seed is Arizona, and that's a weird team because they've got five really good wins this year and five really stupid losses. I mean, <laughs> for a team of that caliber, you know. Um, they've got five losses to teams that are not going to the NCAA tournament. Five out of six. So, yeah. So, if Arizona can get through the first weekend, because that's where the teams that beat them are playing, if they can get through that, they could win the whole thing or not. And I don't know. I watched that game, but I've seen them a few times, Arizona. Um, and I watched that UCLA Pac 12 championship game. And the last six minutes of that were torture. It was UCLA coming down the floor, getting a shot but missing. They just couldn't hit anything. They had good looks, just couldn't hit. 
and then Arizona going down the floor and turning the ball over or making some stupid pass or getting a bad shot um, or or getting their big guy to the free throw line where he's about a 50% shooter. So, you know, that was it was just painful to watch the last six minutes of that game. Uh, and UCLA is clearly not the same without Jalen Clark. Um, however, they were ready to they were going to get a number one seed if Purdue had lost to Penn State. So uh, for people who are looking, you know, uh, are there any dark horse that you think might be able to um, clear away like uh, the North Carolina, the famed North Carolina State 83 team? Oh, gosh, that deep down the bracket. They were a six, weren't they? They were a six. They were a six. Uh, Yeah, team that deep, Kentucky. Um, You know, Kentucky's got players <laughs> they've got last year's player of the year you know it's it's uh gosh oscar shibway and zach even that they had that would be fun um but yeah that's you know that's the team you know that's the team in that part of the bracket with the talent to do what we're talking about that just hasn't done it all year um right. you know i i'm not big on any of the fives really um except maybe duke um and uh, the fours, you know, Tennessee's dinged up without Ziegler. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just I, – I don't see a lot of, of, you know, those teams. But if you're going to go to a six, I mean, Kentucky stands out. Just, they're just because of the talent level on that roster. And they did play better down the stretch. Um, uh, kind of. Well, yeah. they actually – It's relative. They, yeah, well, they, I don't know that I'd say they played great, well, but they did play better. Yeah, not great, but they played better. I mean, um, Vanderbilt still beat them on their home floor in the last two weeks of the season. And, and then beat them again a week later. You're exactly right. So, But aside from that, um, in terms of where they were in, in January and yeah, lining better. up the big trucks at Cal's door over on Richmond Road, um, yeah. aside from that. They may still do that. They may still. And that's the thing that I've heard some gloating. I'm like, I wouldn't do that yet. It's That's too yeah. soon. Um, you know, to your point, you know, I do the Dirty Dozen every year, the 12 teams that will not uh, win the NCAA title. Um, and it's never missed 12 and 0 now trying to go 13 and 0. And to your point, in terms of no teams out there that really, that really shake you as pulling off upsets. Um, it's the first year that of the 12, it, it examines the top 24 teams, the top six seed lines um, of those 12. It's the first year it's been top heavy. Um, seven of the top 12 seeds um, are dirty, including Arizona, UCLA. Um, Houston is on that list. Baylor is on that list. Xavier. So, um, Houston's the team that surprised me when I saw your list. Houston was the one that surprised me. It, They're it, the betting favorite to win oh, the tournament. I, I think they're fantastic. I think that's, and I kept explaining yeah. this is not emotion. This is I not know. my Kelvin Sampson, I hate you because of Indiana thing. It's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. This is, that's why I'm like, I always say, I don't like the list, but this is what the numbers say. And, yeah. uh, and I agree with you. I think Houston's fantastic. If it weren't for the Dirty Dozen, I would pick Houston to win it all. Um, yeah, I, I actually picked Texas to come out of that region. Yeah, yeah. Probably because so, I'm an idiot. Well, they're dirty too. So, uh, you know, now, Jerry, I would uh, ask you for your picks, your final four picks, your national champion picks. But instead, I want everyone listening to go over to CBSSports.com where they can see that for themselves. And again, if they have not sampled the good work you do for them, Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com, senior writer, the godfather of brackets. Um, Appreciate your time today. We know you have a lot going on right now this time of year. And hopefully we can talk with you again here uh, very soon. Uh, Jerry, thanks so much. Okay, uh, keep it here. We've got much more to come after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets 
to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. Hello, this is John Makovic, former coach of the Fighting Illini, and I sure enjoy listening to the Illini guys on their Sports Spectacular. It's a Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. But let's step away for a moment and talk a little football. When we left you last week, we were talking with Matt Stevens, the football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com, about uh, the NFL Combine uh, and the Pro Day. Uh, a few days have gone by, and uh, Matt, what happened in, in Champaign and... and um, uh, sounds like it was a pretty good day for some of the Illini who were in attendance. Yeah, it was, uh, it was more, again, it was more of a day. F- the four guys that were at the combine, that would be Devin Witherspoon, the Brown brothers and Quan Martin. They didn't do anything physically. And I didn't expect that they would uh, three for a reason of, they don't have to Devin Witherspoon because his hamstring still not a hundred percent. And so we'll get back to this later, but there's going to be a whole bunch of NFL big wigs in Champaign County next month Um, because he and his representation decided to schedule a private workout in the Irwin center next month. Um, We'll get back to that later, but there's guys that I think that are fringe draftees, your Alex Balcheskis, your Kendall Smiths, um, and even your Isaac Dark Angelos, who was not on scholarship this year as a linebacker, but um, led the, you know, was up near the top of the, chart and tackles this year uh, for an Illinois defense and is seen as a guy that can play fullback, tight end, linebacker, and do everything that they they ask you to do on special teams and is a better athlete. He timed better than people thought he would. Um, and he's, I I mean, I'm, I, I, I hate to paint people like this, but he's not a slow white guy playing linebacker. Um, he timed a heck of a lot better and he did a lot better in the, what I call the president's physical fitness test stuff um, that a lot of people thought he would do. And it really opened some eyes. So there's some fringe guys that I think uh, put themselves in a, in an NFL draft camp, no doubt, and could potentially hear their name called in April in the late rounds, whether that be the seventh round or, or even early in the sixth. One guy I always have, you know, you always wonder about the quarterback, Tommy DeVito, and yeah. where, where where does he where does he slot here? I mean, he he does a lot of intangible things. He's a decent athlete. He throws a decent ball, but you know, wh- where's he slot? He's very tan. Tommy came to Pennsylvania <laughs> very very brown. Um, apparently, his his power is in his tan. I told Palcheski his power is in his mustache, in the MacGyver uh, mustache. Uh, Apparently Tommy's power is in his tan. Like maybe that's a Jersey thing. I don't know. Um, but no, he did fine. I, I'm always, I, I think the NFL guys have figured out the route tree stuff and what they do at say at the combine with the quarterbacks and at what they do at pro day with the quarterbacks is just so irrelevant. They're sitting there throwing to receivers without a pass rush. And boy, if this ball doesn't get completed, then we have a problem. Right. And so when you start hearing, 
from quarterbacks that are that are in the draft class that hey the ball is hitting the wall or or the ball is hitting you know the turf a lot on pro day or or on their uh, in the combine then you know you have a problem. Tommy's problem is you, you his numbers do not reflect that he throws an accurate deep ball and that's really the, but everything else he does is is going to allow him I think to get invited to a camp and then we'll see what happens from there and I I do think there's a a distinct possibility that Tommy not only I I I 100% believe he's going to go to a camp whether he's drafted or not but I also think he could fight his way onto a practice squad for the entire year and and get a paycheck that way and as we know in the NFL you can go from a practice squad guy to a guy that's starting by Thanksgiving because of the injuries that happen at that position on a constant basis. So um, Brandon Peters made a camp last year and is still with, I think the Los Angeles chargers. Um, I see no reason why Tommy DeVito wouldn't have the same fate. And I think that NFL guys all, by the way, 32 teams were there. 55 guys were there. It's the first time in a long time. All 32 teams were represented at pro day. They got to see Tommy throw and throw a route tree to a whole bunch of Illinois wide receivers. They liked what they saw. The ball comes out of Tommy's hand, you know, like, like a, like a fastball coming out of a pitcher's right hand. Um, it's just accuracy on the deep ball. And and Tommy didn't show anything that he I didn't see at Illinois where, you know, some of them were underthrown, some of them were overthrown. Um, but I think uh I think the accuracy on the deep ball is something that he's gonna have to prove that he can get better at. And if he can, I think he can make a roster. So interesting question here is does Devin Witherspoon even have to do any running? to prove himself as he's already at the, you know, in the, at the worst part, middle of the first round. And second thing is, is he doing this just to help out and get some additional eyes on his fellow Illini teammates? Let me get, let me take the second question first. No, (laughs) because I think he wanted to go on pro day. I, I truly believe that. I don't know if his representation had to hold him back or if he decided to do it because his hammy just tightened up that morning, um, what the deal was. But there was 32 teams there that wanted to watch Devin Witherspoon do something physical um, in Champaign, and they didn't get a chance to. And again, I'm telling you, there will be GMs, there will be pro personnel scouts. I truly believe there will be multiple GMs inside the Irwin Center on April, like they believe it's 15th, but it's mid-April, that he's, that, that he's going to have this private workout. And I thought the private workout would be in in – uh in florida he's gonna have it in champagne and I, I i give him a lot of credit for promoting illinois football by doing that again um and having all of these nfl guys there uh does he have to do it mike in my opinion no but i do think they want to see him be healthy and and from the end of the season and remember he 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 elected to not play in the bowl game and not doing you know a lot of the all-star stuff he did not do anything at the combine except for take an MRI that basically diagnosed his hamstring as, as something that need everybody needed to be concerned about. They need to see him do something physical. If he goes from, you know, end of December to draft day in April and has not shown anything physical in front of scouts eyes, I think there would be some hesitancy to, for him to be the first corner off the board. Cause you're talking about guys like Joey Porter jr. And, and a couple of other corners that that are that are high on draft boards in the same area that Devin Witherspoon is. And from a competition standpoint, you better believe Devin Witherspoon wants to be the first corner off the board. I personally have it understood um, 
you know, just talking to some of my friends that are in the scouting department, departments of NFL, the bears are really interested in him at number nine. And, and it was very interesting that we started pro day at Illinois and ended pro day at Illinois with the bears having the number one pick. And then 30 minutes after pro day ended in Champaign, they had the number nine. And I kind of tried to figure out exactly why there were so many bears guys there. Obviously it's a short trip, but why do you need to send four or five guys to watch Illinois guys? Right. Um, you don't have that many picks, you know, in the top hundred um, uh, that that you would probably get a a Sydney Brown or a Quan Martin. Turns out they have the nine now, and they they have probably the first opportunity to take a really long look at Devin Witherspoon, and they haven't done anything in free agency in terms of the secondary yet. So I think that I think nine is when you start to look at possibilities for Devin Witherspoon in the first round, believe it or not. And I, and Chicago is the first team that could potentially take him off the board. And so he needs, I don't know if he needs to run a 40. I don't even think it matters what he runs in terms of what did he time compared to the, everybody else in the draft class. They just want to see him do some physical things drill wise and be healthy. His name is Matt Stevens, and he wears a lot of hats for us at LanaiGuys.com, but he always hangs on to the number one, and that is football. Uh, Matt is on the road with NCAA tournament stuff this week. Matt, we appreciate that, and we know that spring ball is really just around the corner, so we will talk with you soon. Thanks, bud. Weather's, weather's getting better, and that means spring ball is right around the corner. You're <laughs> That's right. right. Thanks, boss. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, stay with us. Much more to come. We'll take a quick timeout. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by AlanaGuys.com. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24 7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org/slash urgent care. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athletes stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. Well, the Sports Spectacular continues, and uh, more on the Illini women. Um, what a breakthrough season. Again, more than tripling their win total from a year ago. And as we mentioned last hour, they fall um, to Mississippi State in the NCAA play-in game as an 11 seed. And so uh, they didn't get the win, but what a season this was. Joining us now, she is the Illini gal, Adalia McKenzie, 10 points in that game up in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, Adalia, uh, good to talk to you. You've had a little bit of time now to, um, uh, well, to you know, process that. Tell us about the game and uh, and about the season. Yeah, um, it sucks that we lost. You know, I feel like I still even haven't processed it yet. I know I've been sad and hurt, just a lot of mixed emotions, but I'm really proud about the season that we have and really, like, had a turnaround in the program. And for that game, like, you know, Mississippi State, they're a good team. And, you know, they had a lot of second chance and a lot of point paints in the point simply just off getting those rebounds on the offensive side. So this is a matter of getting those boards and stuff. You know, they had a 6'5 player. So, you know, having a big girl like that, that's a really good advantage for them. But, you know, they're a good team. And 
I'm just excited that we got that opportunity to play. Adalia, you guys, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing when your season ends, but have you had a chance to kind of just sit back and look and, and, and kind of think at the season a whole and say, wow, we, we did this. Yes, I actually have. And I think that's something that's been helping me keep my head high. You know, the season, the season ending, it sucks, you know, and I guess it sucks more in this way because we were in the NCAA tournament. You know, we didn't just end the season knowing like we suck, but we end the season knowing like we're really good. So just looking back on it, it just makes me emotional and, you know, in a good way, of course, because like who would have thought, you know? Yeah, you guys accomplished so much this year. Um, what was it like, you know, as you were, you know, getting ready for the opening tip? You knew you were in the NCAA tournament, which nobody thought you were going to be at. What type of emotions were going through your mind? I would say I was a bit nervous. I was excited. And I was just really happy. I was just like in awe, I guess. But then when the tip came, I was like, all right, it's go time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right. To walk on that court with an NCAA logo, um, right there. And I, I think again, it, you know, uh, Matt Stevens on Atlantaguys.com had a great story, um, you know, a, about you guys, obviously Kendall was, was hurt, you know, second team, all big 10 performer. Um, I thought you guys played a great game despite the fact that she really was going on one leg, but you know, Matt wrote about in terms of just uh, coach green and taking the positives out of this, like you said, nobody thought that, you know, listen, if you guys had finished 500 this year, that's success, right. For this program and, and where you've gone, to do the things that you did, um, you guys, once you get over this, and and you will, and it's expected it's going to take a, a bit of time uh, because it has been such a ride, the future for this program, um, the sky's the limit. If you can do this in year one, imagine what you can do with um, with another year of, of work in this system and then with some other players to kind of give you guys more depth to help you out. Yeah, for sure. That's just something I'm excited about, happy about, because – I was just thinking, like, if we could do this in a year, imagine what we can do in the next year, you know, with the same core group, you know, even add on a couple of players and stuff like that. So it's just exciting and a really good feeling to know, like, we've came far and we have farther to go. I, I just see this as a start, you know, to a new journey. Uh, so as you kind of look at this, uh, are have you and the girls, like, kind of had a chance? Obviously, maybe you're – you know, going to movies and things now, but as you guys, as you guys kind of look at this off season, have you kind of like got together and said, you know, here's what we're going to do. This is our next, our next plan. Here's the next step. Here's the next goal. Yeah. We just talked about, honestly, like just stay together. Honestly, we're just going to work. You know, that's all that we can do. Just stay together and work, you know, and coach green talked about the days you don't feel like getting the gym. Just remember this moment and this feeling. And that stuck with me because the days I'm really, Oh, I'm tired. No, I'm going to remember that first four game losing to Mississippi state and seeing that video, then put in their name. So the next side of the bracket, I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So what are you, what are you going to add to your game for next year? I mean, you, you developed quite a bit in the last off season. What tools are you going to, um, develop in this offseason yeah honestly I'll just say keep perfecting my driving and just going up strong with the basket and just honestly become a consistent shooter you know I think being a three-level scorer that's like what you really need to be in this game to be a great player and I am a three-level scorer but when it comes to the three-point shot 
I'm not as confident as I need to be. So getting in the gym and getting those reps and becoming a three-level scorer, that's my goal. Uh, you had a great season as well. Honorable mention, all Big Ten. We're not surprised by that. Um, you're on pace uh, to do s- something in your junior year that not a lot of players get a chance to do, and that is is hit 1,000 points. Um, obviously, we know, you know you've know you been a, a part of our team now for the past 14 months, so we know – uh, what type of person you are. We know what, what, how much, uh, what kind of athlete you are, how much hard work you put in um, kind of my, our final question, I guess, before we let you go and, and get back to, um, to enjoying your weekend. What is the, the schedule next in terms of for, for the team? Obviously take a bit of a break here, try to get everyone healthy. And then when do you kind of begin with, with spring workouts? Yeah. Uh, wait, can you ask that first part of the question before spring workouts? Just, yeah. What, in terms of what, what's on the official schedule team wise, um, you'll take a bit of a break, of course. And and then when do you actually begin coach green's spring workouts like she did last year? Yeah. I know the spring workouts started in April and I know we'll probably still do some things with our strength coach, Kylie, just make sure we stay in shape and stuff like that. But I also know we have team meetings and individual meetings coming up as well. And, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm already excited to do the spring workouts, you know, cause not everybody's here. Like I remember, the year before when spring workouts happened, it was just the five of us and it was so different, you know, so awkward, but yeah, I'm just excited to get back to work. Yeah. And you guys have so many key players coming back as well, as well as some newcomers. So it's a certainly exciting times for this program. Well, congratulations. You guys really etched your name in the record books with this breakthrough season. Uh, third highest winning total win total for any Fighting Illini women's team ever, and you were such a big part of that. Uh, Adalia, the the Illini gal, we appreciate your time as always. Have an awesome weekend, and we'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. All right. We appreciate you. Adalia McKenzie, sophomore guard for the Fighting Illini, all Big Ten, we are proud to say. And uh, mm-hmm. by the way, all district <laughs> academic as well, we are proud to say. Sweet. She gets dubs and she gets A's. It's just that's, that's the way we roll around here. Otherwise, we wouldn't mess with her. <laughs> The Illini gal, Adia McKenzie. All right, Sports Spectacular, all on the Illini Guys Radio Network, continues after this. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships. Build community and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. As we continue here, let's get uh, to some uh, coaching news. Uh, We knew that he was going to land somewhere this year and uh, probably would stay close to Texas with his old personal situation, trying to stay close to his kids. Uh, Chris Beard, um, who was booted from, uh, or should we say, well, I won't joke about it. Uh, He was booted. We'll leave it there. From Texas, he winds up uh, with Ole Miss, and now he'll take on the SEC next year. Yeah, now he's a real rebel. Um, so, um, you know, when you look at it. So I guess this is, uh, it's, you know, I, I think it's the thing about Beard is Chris Beard's a great basketball coach, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows he's fantastic. And now it's going to be a situation where does he, um, you know, does he, you know, how soon can he get that program up and running and successful with the portal? It won't take very long, right? And he kind of brings a defensive style to the SEC that um, it, it'll have effect and it'll be noticed. 
Um, I, I think that's going to be an interesting mix in that conference to see how how that will uh, be adjusted to by some of the teams. I think he he almost seems like a Big Ten coach to me in terms of his defensive intensity. Well, how about the lineup of coaches that you've got now um, in terms of guys who bring some street cred? I mean, Beard, um, you know, Calipari, say what you want, but, you know, a lot of Final Fours and, of course, the title in 2012. Uh, Nate Oates, and we'll see what he does here, but but he's turned around Alabama in a hurry. Um, you know, Musselman's had some success elsewhere and leading, you know, rebuilding Nevada, and now he has Arkansas. He recruits well. Um, you know, you've got you've got some guys, and uh, so it's gonna be fun to watch uh, the the SEC here uh, coming down the pike. A former SEC guy, no longer at LSU, Will Wade returning to the sidelines. Uh, that's one that I didn't see coming this soon. Well, he's not returning yet. First of all, Larry, he has to serve his suspension. That was part of his contract oh, yeah. for what he did previously. So, you know, it's a, it's interesting. Just goes to show you that it's, it's all about winning, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a, it doesn't matter what you've done. They don't, nobody cares about cheating anymore. Nobody cares about domestic abuse, whatever it is. If you win, we'll find you a spot. We'll just suspend you a couple games before you start. Does does McNeese State have boosters? And if they don't, how is how is old Will going to function? Um, Maybe they I, do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I got to be honest with you, I never really. I, I guess I thought he was pretty good at um, you know securing agreements for guys to come to to LSU. I'm not certain where that came from pre NIL. Um, but I'm not certain if a McNeese State makes a lot of sense to me. I guess he gets back in the game, gets a chance to rehabilitate himself, sort of like you know Bruce Pearl did, um, you know, at, at Auburn. At ESPN. Right? At ESPN. ESPN giving him a chance to kind of yeah to to clean him up a little bit, you know, so uh, whitewash yourself, um, you know. But keep in mind, I mean, Will Wade, you know, Rob Blagojevich, the the Illinois former Illinois governor, is in prison for something for for something similar, right? For trying to, you know, uh, using the phone to you know. And money or whatever the case is. So anyway, I'm not trying to say Will Wade should be in prison, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's um, uh, with with the, he should be in prison with Rob Bogoyevich. <laughs> Blago, I think, got out. They, they he got pardoned, didn't he? Didn't he get yeah, pardoned I, by Trump? I think he he's out Trump now. Pardoned himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which he, is weird because he was a Democrat who got pardoned by Trump, who's right. a Republican. Exactly. And, and they also had a, politics. Well, they also had opposite hair, you know. Uh, <laughs> he had that helmet hair and Trump had that whatever hair. You know, the, uh, the floppy kind op, of opposites <laughs> attract. Yeah. There you go. No, there you go. Maybe they exchange grooming secrets. No, no, use this. <laughs> uh, well, to, to football, we wanted uh how about to the the former Patriot, former 49er quarterback uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a man without a team basically, like no one wanted him. A year ago, he takes a reduced uh, uh, contract, reduced money, winds up filling in for Trey Lance, the guy who took his job, does very well uh, before he's injured. He goes to Brad Sturdy's Raiders. Sturdy, are you happy about this? Well, I mean, what we we got you and I both got to like Garoppolo, right, Larry? Yeah, I, I mean, he's we're yeah. Garoppolo yeah, you, fans. Baby. Yeah, right. you, baby. That's but right. here's the thing. I, Garoppolo is not a guy who is – you, you got to have players around him. He's not like Patrick Mahomes or somebody where you're just – he's going to go out there and be a playmaker. But here's what he can do. You put him with guys like Devontae Adams, he gets to hand off to Josh Jacobs. He's got, you know, uh, they, they got other – they got receivers on the outside that just signed a, a, from the Patriots. He's got some weapons there. He gets the ball out in space. Now the key for him, though, is can he stay healthy? Because if he can stay healthy, 
then I think the Raiders got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, Raiders need to draft some offensive linemen to keep him upright. If they can keep him upright, um, Garoppolo doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And and if you can play mistake-free football and, and keep him healthy, uh, the Raiders should be able to compete with the weapons that you just outlined. Yeah, one of the winningest coaches and one of the winningest quarterbacks, I should say, in the last five years is Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's got a Super Bowl appearance and NFC title game appearance as well. Um, you know, yeah, he may not have X, Y, and Z that, you know, some other guys, like I said, bigger arm or, you know, quicker feet. But, yeah, he's found a way to get it done. So um, there are worse guys to bring in uh, if you're the Raiders. Okay, two hours is over just like that. It always goes way too fast. We appreciate you being here as always. Uh, for Mike and Brad, I'm Larry. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. And we will see you right back here same time next week. ILL. I and I. This I has been I. a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.